The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. What a great service. Hey, as the children head off to class, some seats will be open for you guys on the back. And we want to invite you to come on in now. Don't be shy. There's a whole bunch here. You guys on the back wall, come on up. Come on, Kyle. Lead the way. Be a man. I'm proud of you. He's like, well, I'm trying not to trample the kids. But uh, hey, guys, thanks for worshiping with us. Y'all go learn a lot about Jesus in the back. We love you guys. Y'all give those children a hand. All right. All right. Well, y'all don't, y'all don't hesitate to come up, <clears throat> excuse me, come up and find seats, even though I'm beginning. I don't want you to feel like you're interrupting. We're glad to have you. All right, well, we're working through the book of Joshua, as you know, if you've been with us for a while. We are more than halfway through the book. We're into chapter 18 and chapter 19. Our focus today is on verses 1 through 10, and it works out really well that verse 1 through 10 sort of fills out the outline for the chapters for chapter 18 and 19. As I looked at the text today, I I was thinking about something that's been going on in my life for several I would like to say weeks, but I think if I'm honest, it's probably been several months, maybe even years. We built our home 11 years ago, I think. And, you know, a new home is glorious. It's, the paint smells good. Nothing's broken. Nothing's wrong. To me, it's a picture of heaven, right? And then what happens? Everything starts to slowly break down. And so there's been this steady drip, drip, drip in my house. I'm not talking about the water. I'm talking about my wife. She has been dripping, dripping, dripping about the plumbing issue in her home. And uh, she's been reminding me, hey, just want to let you know that somewhere in my faucet at the sink, water seeps out when I turn it on. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I'll take care of that. Hey, did you notice the kitchen sink has a little drip? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 I got that. And then when it affects me, I start paying more attention and I started noticing that when I tighten, see, this is what happens in my house. When I fix something, I always break something with it. So I'm tightening the little gadget that goes around the faucet. I get it all night nice and tight and snug, turn the water on, and it starts seeping out. If you're a plumber, I let me talk to you afterwards. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I did that, why it's leaking now. Then the terrible pot filler. Anybody know what a pot filler is? Yeah, I thought I was the pot filler. I thought that was my job. But when we built this house, had to have a pot filler. That's just something I'm not sure I understand. How did we exist before the pot filler was invented? But to justify the existence of a ridiculous pot filler, I said, I'm going to make this worthy of something. And I found out, put the coffee pot by it, and then every day we use the pot filler. So that justified it, right? Well, now the pot filler has sprung a leak. In the elbow, when you turn it on, it literally like sprays up and drips onto the stove. And I'm like, okay. This is just driving me crazy. Problem after problem. And I finally came up with a solution. I said, Dana, every time she would tell me about something wrong with the plumbing, I said, make a list. Make a list. That was my way of procrastinating. I'm like, as soon as that list has enough to justify calling a plumber, I'll call a plumber. And so we've got the list. I have been procrastinating. But as you procrastinate, what happens? It robs your peace. It robs your joy. If I just would have handled it immediately, things would have gone a lot better. I would have had peace. I would have had joy. I would have been able to relax and enjoy the home and not constantly feel that nagging in the background. I was procrastinating. That's what procrastination does. It it creates a problem that kind of gets under you and it 
creates a little rawness and it just always is irritating. The same can happen with us in the Christian life. Procrastination can have detrimental effects on your ability to enjoy the Lord, to enjoy the inheritance that God has promised you. When it comes to to enjoying God's inheritance, I'm using that language to compare it to what we're seeing in Joshua. We understand that when God saves us, how does he save us? He saves us by grace, through faith, in the blood of Jesus Christ, as was pictured in baptism. That we identify with the death and burial of Christ, and we are raised to walk in the newness of life. But God doesn't just save us and then say, okay, that's all I wanted. Now we'll move on to someone else. God saves us for a purpose. And the purpose of his salvation for us has many different phrasings, many different aspects to it. One ultimate purpose of God saving us is to bring glory and honor to his own name. And so he saves us to bring glory to him. And that sounds good, and we know that, but what does that mean? How does that affect our lives? Well, another way of thinking about it is God is glorified in us when, when we live in enjoyment of him that when we find abundant life in him when we sign find christ more wonderful than the things of this world when the things of this world our enjoyment of the things of this world only point us to christ so we can say that when we enjoy the abundant life that christ gives us to the glory of god that's why god saved us Another aspect of it is the idea of holiness, that God saves us to make us holy because when we are holy, we reflect his glory. He saves us and fills us with his spirit so that the joy and the love, the fruit of the spirit fills our lives and starts to blossom out and blossom forth to his glory. So these are all different ways to talk about it and think about it. But what we see is God saves us in order for us to enjoy Him and glorify Him and to be holy to His name. But what we need to understand is that involves work on our part. That is our inheritance. Just like in Israel, they had this land that was their inheritance. They had to go in and take ownership of their inheritance. It took work for them to go in and take ownership of the inheritance that God set on the silver platter for them. The same is true for us. For us to enjoy abundant life, for us to bring glory and honor to God, for us to to burst forth the fruit of the Spirit in our life, for us to be holy, for us to enjoy the, the Sabbath rest that God gives, which is a spiritual rest that comes in Him, it takes work. We must own it. We must take ownership of the inheritance that God has given us. It says in the scriptures that all the spiritual blessings of the heavenly places are already yours in Christ. It's all yours in Christ. This glorious inheritance is yours in Christ. But today we're going to see the Lord challenging us. You've got to go own it. You've got to take ownership of that inheritance if you want to enjoy it. Let me ask the Lord to help us this morning. Lord, would you please help us stop procrastinating and start taking ownership of our glorious inheritance. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're looking at chapter 18, verses 1 through 10. And let me just kind of diagram the two chapters, 18 and 19, for you. And then we'll focus in on 1 through 10. In chapters 18 and 19, first 10 chapters set up what we're going to look at today. 
And in that, it tells you that the people went and took possession of their land finally. And that's what the rest of chapter 19, 18 and 19 do, is they show the last seven tribes getting their land. So what's been going on? We've been looking at Joshua. And in the first half of Joshua, what happened? God had delivered them, God's people, out of bondage to sin and death. Remember that? It's the story of the Bible leading up to Joshua. And then God, through Joshua, leads them across the Jordan River into their final promised inheritance. It's a glorious day. And God fought on their behalf. God drove out their enemies just like he had promised he would do. He said, I will give you the land. I will go before you. You just focus on trusting obedience. You just focus on loving and obeying me. And I got this. And so God did. He drove out the enemies of God's people. And then we saw God giving five tribes out of 12 their promised inheritance. It wasn't without hiccup. There was some hiccups along the way. They hadn't got it perfect. But we see overall, the picture is that God is giving his people their inheritance. The hiccup wasn't because of God. The hiccup was when they failed to trust and obey God. And so we saw the five tribes up to this point getting their inheritance. Last week, Kevin did a great job of showing how he called them the Fab Five. Were you all here for that? The Fab Five. At first, I was like, was that a Michigan basketball team? Who was this? That was the gymnast, I guess. Is that who he was talking about? U.S. gymnast. Okay, my wife had to tell me that. I was like, that's what it was. All right, well, I got something better because he's pandering to the women's vote. I got I to gotta get back here and reclaim the turf. He was pandering. I heard him saying, go girls. I'm like, really, Kevin? He did a good job. But today we're going to look at the slothful seven. Take that, buddy. Always get the mic last. Slothful seven. These are the last seven tribes. And what we see is seven out of 12 tribes have been slothful. They've been putting off what they knew they needed to do. They've been procrastinating. They've gotten some type of apathetic attitude. They've gotten lazy. And they failed to do what they know God has told them to do. So here's a picture of what's going to happen today. The 12 tribes of Israel gather at Shiloh. Just like here. Packed house. Here to worship God. Here to praise God. Say, God, we love you and thank you for your salvation. That you have delivered us from sin. You have delivered us from death. You have delivered us from bondage in Christ. And you have given us an awesome inheritance. And we're praising God and saying, man, look at the fruit that God has given us. Look how good it is. Look how awesome. Man, God is good. And we sing songs that talk about the victory that we have and how we have been cleansed in Christ. And that he died on the cross for us and he gives us eternal life. And we're praising God. And then Joshua stops the service and says, wait a minute. 58% of you guys are phony. You're faking it. And he's going to tell them, this is God speaking to them through Joshua, how long will you put off entering to take possession of your inheritance? How long are you going to put off owning the goodness that God has secured for you? Father God, I pray this morning you will touch our hearts. I pray the Spirit of God, your Holy Spirit who is here with us this morning, speaking to us through your sacred writings, that your spirit will bring about a word to us personally, to each person here. And you will speak clearly, convict us. How long will you put off 
what I'm telling you. Lord, speak to us clearly that we may repent and be restored and to start enjoying the incredible possession you've given us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to make four observations of our text. First of all, we see the people at worship in verse 1. The people at worship. Look at verse 1 of Joshua 18. He says, Then the whole congregation of the sons of Israel were assembled themselves at Shiloh, and they set up the tent of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. This is a picture of the ideal. This is what God wants. God has redeemed them. God has saved them. God has delivered them out of slavery and bondage and hopelessness and death through the blood of the Lamb. He saved the firstborn. It's just been story after story of the faithfulness of God. And He has brought them to this point. And in Deuteronomy, He said, when you get there, set up the tent of meeting, set up a worship place at Shiloh, and I'll meet you there, and I will be there with you. It's just like today. We're here today praising God for His faithfulness. Why do you stop? Why do you neglect other things? Why do you make this a priority? Because you are so grateful for the salvation of God through Jesus Christ, right? And so you say, I want to go and I want to to be with my brothers and sisters and just praise God and thank Him and sing songs about what He's done in my life. We gather to worship, not to earn anything from God, but to praise God for His faithfulness. That's what we see going on at Shiloh is they were, they were just gathering together, praising God. Thank you, God, for all that you've done and for your faithfulness in my life. Are you here today to praise God and to thank him for his faithfulness in your life through Jesus Christ? That's what worship is all about. Worship is about giving glory and honor to the Lord for what he has done. If you're here to earn something from God, we need to keep paying attention because that's not what... The Bible teaches us. We can't earn anything from God. It is a gift through Jesus Christ. So what happens as we're worshiping? We see the problem is revealed. And isn't that what often happens? We can go through life and we think everything's good. And we kind of are numbed by the busyness of life. And and things start to change in our heart. and, And perhaps we don't deal with it. We procrastinate. And we don't realize it until we come and we're confronted with the Lord. Like Isaiah, who came into the presence of God in Isaiah 6, and he's worshiping God. He says, whoa, I am ungodly. And God cleanses him. And that's what happens is a problem is revealed in verses 2 and 3. There remained among the sons of Israel seven tribes who had not divided their inheritance. Seven tribes who had this conquered land that was sitting out there and they had not taken possession of it. And so, verse 3, So Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Stop everything! How long will you put off entering in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? How long? It's yours! The the Lord promised Abraham he'd give you this land. The Lord delivered his people. The Lord miraculously gave Abraham and Sarah children when they couldn't have children. The Lord has done everything he said. The Lord, you even helped drive out the enemies. Those seven tribes were a part of God delivering the people, giving them the land, driving out the enemies. 
And somewhere along the way, they lost focus. Perhaps they were having this mountaintop experience of, man, God is using us in powerful ways and we're getting victories left and right and they lose focus and they lose heart and they grow apathetic and they allow some things to start going unchecked and they're like, I'll get to that. I'll get to that later. They procrastinate. No, take the land. God clearly had revealed to them, you should have taken the land. You should have owned your possession. All the bountiful harvest has been secured and subdued. Dude, now just go take it because you coming in here and worshiping me is phony. Because during the week, you aren't living for me. During the week, you aren't taking what I've given you. You're just coming in here once on this event to display to your brothers and sisters some sad little remembrance of something that I did for you a long time ago. But you aren't walking with me right now. Worship is not something that we do as some silly little activity that impresses God. The scripture tells us that's not what worship is all about at all. In 1 Samuel 15, it says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in your religious and your singing as he does in obeying the voice of the Lord? He says, Listen, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is... The Lord during the week, so that you are taking possession of His incredible, bountiful blessings for your life. That is better than coming in here and just putting on some religious impressions. He says, This only is meaningful if it is an overflow of what's been going on during the week. If you're just coming in here to show off, save it. And so he calls out about 58% of the church that day. Seven twelfths. He says, hold on. How long are you going to put off doing what I told you to do? I think it's probably a pretty good likelihood that 58% of our church needs to hear this as well. How long are you going to put off what you know the Lord has told you to do? My prayer all week has been, Lord... What is that? You see, I don't want this to be more, 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 more. Do more, do more, do more, do more. I mean, my goodness. When I first think about this, I'm like, Lord, there's a thousand things I'm not doing. So let's, let's back up a step. My prayer is that today the Lord says, no, 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 not all that generic stuff. That's easy to hide from. I'm talking about something specific that you know I'm telling you to do. How long are you going to put that off? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute? Father God, I ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, would reveal right now every single person. Fill in that blank. How long will you put off blank? Lord, would you be gracious and merciful? There is a great inheritance for us to enjoy. But it is enjoyed through obedience. Lord, overcome the the rut of procrastination and resistance. Overcome the laziness of our flesh 
and the apathy of our flesh. And right now, would you speak a word, a clear word to each person's heart? Would you be kind and gracious and merciful and do that for us? How long will you put off? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we see the problem is revealed. Maybe the problem has been revealed in your heart this morning. In verses 4 through 7, we see the Lord tells them what to do about this problem. And we see the problem described in verses 4 through 7. The problem described. Listen to what he says to them. He says, Provide for yourselves three men from each tribe that I may send them, and that they may arise And listen to what he says. Let them walk through the land and write a description of it according to their inheritance. And then they shall return to me. Why do you think God's doing this? Why did God tell Joshua, tell them to walk through the land and describe it in detail? It's not that he didn't know what it looked like. God says, I want them to look at it. I want them to think about it. I want them to see the beautiful inheritance that they're not enjoying. I want you to search the scriptures and know all the riches of the glorious blessings of the spiritual inheritance that is yours in Christ. I want you to look at it, think about it, write about it, meditate on it, see how beautiful it is, paint a picture of it, write a song, write a poem, read my scriptures. I want you to taste and see how glorious the Lord is to you. And I want you to bring that to the Lord and see what you're missing by procrastination. This is another way of looking at this. this is, I want them to go and write the boundaries of their disobedience. I want you to write down the boundary lines. I want you to, we've been looking at detailed boundaries. The Bible has given us detailed legal descriptions of this is exactly their piece of land. And here it feels like this is exactly where you're building a brick wall so that you cannot enjoy this beautiful land because you are procrastinating with what I told you and you know better and you need to do it and quit faking it. If you want to enjoy what I have bought for you. With the blood of Christ. The problem is described. And he goes through and says, listen, this is about the whole body. We, we don't care just about partial obedience. God's not about, hey, just, just give me five, five twelfths and we're good. Now he says in this chapter, Judah, he recounts like he keeps doing over and over. Everyone, he wants to make sure we got all twelve. Judah, he mentions, yeah, we got one there. Joseph, that was two, so we're up to three tribes. And he says, Gad and Reuben, that was four and five. And so we have seven left who have not entered in to their glorious inheritance. And he says, I care about every single one of you knowing and tasting how good I am. Why do you keep putting it off? We tend to think of obedience as kind of this duty and this labor of misery. And the Lord is saying, I Obedience is the way that you enter in and enjoy the inheritance that I have purchased for you in Christ. Stop putting it off. We all know what that's like when it comes to exercise, don't we? It's like, ah, what's the saying is everyone hates walking into the gym, but everyone loves walking out. You walk in with misery, but you walk out going, yeah, I did it. It felt good. I don't know that I'm going to go tomorrow. 
But there's great reward in it. There's great blessing in it. So it is with the disciplines of grace. So it is with obedience that we, we have to discipline ourselves. We have to give ourselves practical helps. Open your calendar and plan obedience in your schedule. Like the psalmist, we need time to, to stop and be alone with the Lord and say, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me into the everlasting way. We have to carve out time for that. We have to put that in our schedule. We have to make intentional, practical labor to say, I am going to be with the Lord and I'm going to hear from the Lord and I'm going to obey the Lord so that I can take ownership of the blessings of Christ. I pray this week, even right now, you will start to fill out the picture of the inheritance of God that you are forfeiting by procrastinating obedience to what God, you know, has told you He wants you to do. This week in community group, I pray that our church will wrestle with this. We'll talk about this. This is what community is all about. This is what the church is all about. This is why people do what is so countercultural. Invite me and the body of Christ to enter into covenant relationship with you to help you not procrastinate, to help you not do what you know God has called you to do because you know it is worth it. I pray this week in community group, you describe where you're procrastinating. You talk together about the glorious inheritance God has for you and how not obeying Him is robbing you of the enjoyment of peace, of His spiritual rest, of His abundant fruit of the Spirit, of glorifying God, of holiness. Describe the problem this week. So the people worship, the people, the problem was revealed, the problem was described, and finally, the people are restored. This is a picture of God's grace. In verse 8 to 10, through 10, we see the people are restored. It says, the men arose and they went, they obeyed. They stopped procrastinating. They were confronted by the leader, by the Lord, and they, they said, you're right. Let's go, let's do this. So the men arose, they went, and Joshua commanded those who went, Describe the land, saying, and this is what Joshua said to them, Go and walk through the land, describe it, and return to me, and I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. And the casting of lots is always a clear picture of this is all in God's hands. And so this is a picture of the people repenting, stop procrastinating. Josephus, a Jewish historian, says it took them seven months to go and describe the land. And they came back, and they brought it for the Lord. And it says that the Lord will cast lots, and they will get their inheritance in Shiloh. In verse 9, so the men did what they were told. They went, they passed through the land, they described it by cities and seven divisions in a book. And they came to Joshua, to the camp at Shiloh. And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua divided the land 
to the sons of Israel according to their divisions. And then in the rest of chapter 18 and verse 19, it's a detailed description of who got what land. And the last verse has us back worshiping again, 19 verse 51. These are the inheritances which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the households of the tribes of the sons of Israel distributed by lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing the land. Woo! Finished dividing the land. That's a big deal in the story of the scriptures. It's been a long time coming. It's a beautiful picture of restoration. They are back at the home, at the house of worship. They're back at the tent of meeting where God was meeting them. And they are all now truly worshiping God. Truly saying, man, it is an awesome inheritance. The seven that were faking it now is genuine, authentic worship praising God for the fruit. They've looked at the land. They've got their boundaries and God gave them their inheritance. They stopped procrastination and they took ownership of it. And they were restored to a glorious place of worship. That's what I pray today is all about for us. First of all, if you've been faking it because you didn't realize it, worship only happens as a response to what Christ has given you. Through, the blood, through His blood. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know that your worship performance does not earn anything with God? That worship is a response of gratitude for what Christ has earned for you. But then even as believers, we are like Israel so often, man. We hit mountaintops and we're praising God because we just were conquering the enemies and we were teamed up with the other 10, 11 tribes, and and God used us mightily, and we're praising God, and we're thankful. And then next thing I know, I'm in worship, and God says, how long are you going to put off what I told you to do? Like, oh, here I go again. But if I kick that can down the road a little longer, like the government shut down another week, it's coming. You're going to have to deal with it sooner or later, and all you're doing is, is robbing your own peace, Robbing your enjoyment of the, of the blessings of the promised land. Robbing the blessings of all that God has secured for you in Christ. I pray today, you've heard clearly from God. You fill in the blank with something specific, not generic. How long will you put off what He's told you? You're only robbing yourself of the enjoyment of this promised land. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe you've trusted Christ and you know you're supposed to follow that with baptism, but you're like, ain't gonna happen. That's humiliating. It's not humiliating. Ask the people who just got baptized. It's glorious. Maybe it's opening your your day planner And just putting it down as in red, this is not negotiable. I must spend time with the Lord. Maybe it's committing to tithing. Something you always say, I know I want to do, but I just, for some reason, I just never get around to it. 
Maybe it's inviting that friend to church. Maybe you've got that friend and you know you're the one that God put in their life. You're the one he's putting there, right there. Maybe he's saying, hey, let's invite them to church. How long will you put it off? Maybe it's talking to a family member about Jesus. I don't know what it is. And I, I know there's a litany of things you could do, but I'm just saying, ask the Holy Spirit to tell you. And most of us already know. How long will you put off doing what I told you to do? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for your word that instructs us. I thank you for your spirit convicts us. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us a spirit of freedom this morning that our church family will come to the altar during this song and do business. Lord, give us a spirit of freedom and courage. And we'll do this for your glory. Amen. During this song, I want to encourage you. Please use this altar. I'm going to be up here praying. There's something about it. You can hear it. You can think about it. And the Spirit can give you a clear word. And you can go, yeah. And you walk out of here, nothing changes. But if you make it public and you come down here in front of your peers and your church family... It's your first step of not procrastinating any longer. I pray that there is many, many people up here saying, God, I'm not going to put it off any longer. Because he's asking you right now, how long are you going to keep putting that off? Father God, I pray that you will continue to speak to our hearts now, Lord. Lord, I don't, I don't know what every detail is, Lord, but I know people are being called to, to step up and to quit procrastinating. Lord, call members of our church to, to be excited to embrace the call to leadership and community groups and co-leadership. Call forth men who are godly character, who want to lay their life down to serve your church as elders, Lord. Lord, help us not to procrastinate whatever it is you're calling us to do, Lord. Call call men and women to full-time service of, of your word, Lord, though it may cost great sacrifice. Or Lord, call moms to, to carve out time to, to be focused on you and to know you in the middle of the chaos. Lord, all the things that, that seem so important and so urgent Make it so easy for us to procrastinate. But Lord, I pray today will be a day of repentance and change for us. That when we leave here, we will, we will stop putting it off and start obeying. So that we can be restored to enjoyment of the glorious possessions, the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ. It's all for your glory, the praise of your name that we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.